All right, welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Uh, ben Standing here. Yes, it is true. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. We're going to talk about the Washington football team here in just a second with our first guest. He is sitting here right now watching me talk, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times. We're, we're, we're sitting here over Zoom, of course, because, you know, it's the world we live in. Uh, we'll get to Matt in just one second. And after that, uh, I talked about the NFL draft uh, with Danny Kelly from The Ringer. He is their uh, NFL draft fantasy football guy. We talked about, we, we did sort of a game of uh, would you rather as the way we broke it down, talking about Mac Jones, uh, the wide receivers, we talked about the linebackers, uh, the, the day two quarterbacks. Yes, the Washington football team got plenty of attention. So uh, a fun conversation there. We'll get to that in just a second. And of course, if you want to, uh, subscribe to this podcast if you just got here randomly. I appreciate that. You can go to iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. Of course, you can read my stuff on The Athletic and uh, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And our first guest here, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris. You can even ask him about NASCAR by the time you hear about this because he is uh, working on some some uh, some auto racing thing. He, he's, he's a man about town. He does all kinds of things. Um, Matt, I appreciate the time. How... Uh, how was the weekend? We're talking on a, a on a Saturday. How, how are how are things going so far? I'm good. I'm in Richmond, and just being in the city hopes that I hope we're back for training camp. Did Did you drive by the facility just to? I drove in that area, not by the facility per se, but I hit up CZQ, which is like a walk from the facility. So, did, are you staying in the same hotel you would have stayed at if you had gone to training camp? I am. Wow. <laughs> um. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, realistically, we're not going to be there this year, right? There's no, there's no way they're doing training camp. No, I would be very surprised. Right. I mean, so right now, as we're talking, the various teams around the league, the players from various teams are announcing they're skipping the voluntary programs. Washington has not said anything yet. Um, Ron Rivera addressed this a little bit, and that's what we're mostly going to talk about. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew spoke on Friday. We'll talk about what they said or inferred or didn't say but this is sort of like you know the the, the business of football is like when are they actually going to do stuff the, the, the league did put out a, a schedule and i guess there will be I, I don't have it in front of me correct me where i'm wrong it, it it is still going in theory going to be some part one part mandatory but a lot of it is still this voluntary thing and that's the thing right like so much of what actually happens in the offseason is actually voluntary but <laughs> it's voluntary if, like, your parents said, yeah, you don't have to take out the trash, but <laughs> if, you'd like, if you'd like to live here, you kind of do. Um, so uh, it's interesting to see the players. It, it feels like this is going to be an opportunity for the players because, they're, because of COVID, a lot of them are saying, collectively saying, we're not going to participate in these voluntary activities. But I think this is, like, a bigger th- opportunity to say, yeah, all these things you kind of make us do that we don't even get paid for, but you're kind of saying we have to. I don't, we don't really like that. So we're going to maybe use this to, to see if we can change how this works going forward. At least that's my interpretation of this whole thing. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, especially with teams like Washington. Washington hasn't put out a statement, but Ron Rivera is a really big culture guy, as we all know, and he uses those meetings and he values that work, you know, showing up and showing your face and putting in the work that makes an impression with them. So if they don't do that, you know, Washington's players are a little bit in a 
a hard like a between a hard rock right now because is it do you show up and you know make good with your coach or do you show solidarity with your union I think you know Ron Rivera mentioned on Friday that he's had conversations with players and I think that's kind of what they're working through is which way are Washington players going to lean yeah it's I mean you know you you can only kind of read into it a little bit right now I mean my sense um my sense is guys won't show, but um, we'll see. And I mean, I don't necessarily know that's a universal statement. There could be randoms. Obviously, there are some people who are still, you know, working their way back from injuries and things like that. Like, I know, like, guy like Kelvin Harmon's been around there a lot. Um, Ron told us, I think, a couple weeks ago, he was seeing Sadiq Charles outside his window. So, you know, there are some guys who will probably be around for those kinds of reasons. But in terms of the standard, you know, getting out there on the field and putting on some maybe not pads, but putting on some sort of jersey and uh, doing some stuff. I, I don't know if we're going to see that, but there is a mandatory part, right? The third, there's like three sections, and I thought the third part was kind of mandatory. Uh, yeah, you would have to check that. I know that May 17th is the first date of in-person work, but I don't know if that is voluntary or mandatory. I will say on a very personal note, I really kind of, I mean, no offense to the players or, or the fans who are breathless for, 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 for news. I'm really rooting for like, not much. I need to like, go away. I, I need to like, put this season, to, put this to bed and go. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what that means. Go to a beach, sleep for two weeks. I don't know what, but something needs to happen at some point. And I, and the longer this thing goes, I mean, and this is, if we were living in the normal world, of course, this would be the normal expectation. The draft ends. There's a rookie minicamp pretty quick. And then soon thereafter, there's a, the OTAs. And then we get to, you know, the veteran minicamp. And then you, you take the break for six weeks before the training camp. But, we, you know, we're all living through the pandemic. I, I'd like to go away for a minute. It's been it's been a, a, a challenge. Um, another challenge, Matthew Paris, was getting any real information out of Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on uh, Friday. They... Uh, I, 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 I don't even know what I wrote. I wrote something the other day afterwards, like basically like it was, um, you know, you can use the, you can use the poker analogies. Some of these things like Jay Gruden had, had not the world's best poker face. I, I would say um, other people just flat out like lie to your face. The, I, I wouldn't say that these guys were lying. Martin Mayhew was basically like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. He just went like, yeah, no, not, not going to happen. I got shot down with my question. To, to Ron Rivera about I don't know, uh, quarterbacks. Um, I, I don't know we got a ton, but there's always reading between the lines. So, you know, and, and you can maybe glean a few things. And there was one particular thing that they did say that I thought was notable, which we can get to in a second, but, or maybe you can bring it up now if you want, but what was for you, was there one takeaway that you actually think we got something out of whatever they, they said? Well, the thing that we might've gotten taken away is, if Landon Collins is going to play linebacker next season, or at least take a few snaps there, you know, Chris Russell, another reporter on our beat, he asked Ron Rivera whether Landon Collins, who made a statement earlier in the offseason saying that he was sticking to linebacker or to safety rather, if he was speaking for the organization or just for Landon. And Ron Rivera said that was just Collins on his own, kind of left the door open for Collins to maybe play some linebacker. Now, I think I'll get. I wanted to get your opinion on this, but I think it that's a, I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. I mean, maybe Landon Collins plays some snaps there, but you know, Landon Collins is what, seven years into his career, eight, like this is, uh, you know, 
that would be a, a pretty big switch for especially a guy like that who is a Pro Bowl safety. I know he's coming off that injury, but that is where he's made his money um, going into his career. Yeah, first of all, how dare you feel compelled to have to tell the audience who Chris Russell is. Chris Russell, I mean, come on, legend. Everybody knows who Chris Russell is. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, just and just to, you know, what's always interesting about some answers like this, it, it, we, we've mentioned a hundred times the, um, well, whatever. I mean, in a day in which not a lot was said directly, I thought this was a pretty direct quote. This is what he said, effectively what you said, pretty, pretty short. He was asked, like you said, if Landon Collins had said on social media he wasn't going to be playing linebacker. So he was at, Ron Rivera was asked, was that Landon speaking on for, on Landon's behalf or had was he expressing a conversation that you guys had all had? And it was a quote, that was Landon. Again, our plan for Landon is to have him here and have him compete and have him be part of what we're doing going forward. Really easy to just say, yeah, yeah no, he's our starting safety. Of course he is and move on with life. He didn't do that. Now, like you said, I can't definitively say that this means anything is up in the air. I, I, I would probably take it so much less about the linebacker and just more about, you know, what is the role they, they see for him. And, and, you know, Cameron Curl obviously had a really good year, a fun year. And, you know, he's a rookie and, you know, who knows, he's just scratching the surface uh, of, of what he can do. And Landon Collins, you know, realistically has not had the, it's not like lived up to the contract. So far, I'm not even talking about the injury. Of course, that's just unfortunate. He got uh, towards Achilles in week six. And we'll just presume he'll be back, uh, you know, because it seems like everybody, you know, everybody comes back from injuries these days. Um, I mean, Alex Smith is like thrown. I just assume that I, everybody's going to come back. I'm never going to question anybody again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a big question. And, you know, can you, can you play them both together, right? That would be the simple solution. I don't know if you can play Cameron Curls a single high safety if that's what you want, if you want Landon Collins in the box. At least talking to people, they're not sure he has that speed. Are you going to play Cameron Curl over Landon Collins? Boy, that that would seem rough just from a locker room perspective, like because Landon Collins is a leader and he's got the money and all that stuff. Um, could you just go with what they were doing before? Landon Collins starts, Cam Curl is the, the Buffalo nickel, as they say. Maybe. I mean, it's not like they've added – any real, I mean, they haven't added much in the way of corner depth. I mean, they did add Daryl Roberts, but I don't necessarily know that he's definitively a guy you have to use. And Jimmy Moreland's fine, but like, if you, you know, is Cameron Curl better than Moreland? I'll leave that up to, to, to the coaches, but I think he did fine. So I still think it was interesting though. And look, as we also know, they haven't done anything on linebacker yet. Right. I mean, I, I don't think Landon Collins is the Kevin Pierre Lewis replacement, but at the same point, they actually haven't done anything at that position. So it's not like they've gone out and signed 12 people. And now they have this sort of like, like what makes the Samus Reyes thing interesting is they actually didn't go out and get any other tight ends. And now they brought in this guy. So, you know, I, I just think that's kind of interesting. Um, we obviously asked 8,000 questions about the quarterbacks. Would you, would you care to say, was anything from that part of the discussion interesting to you? No, I mean, it, I was before, you know, coaches also mislead all the time, but before in the first couple press conferences that Ron Rivera's had this offseason, didn't really sound like to me, just inferring from his comments that he was eager to trade up or down that, you know, it didn't really seem like taking a quarterback was a priority. You know, you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, he talks about this timetable, not letting, you know, not disrupting that, don't want to do anything too drastic to, to disrupt that timetable or to surrender future assets. Now, 
I could maybe see it. Now, does that mean drafting a quarterback in the first round? I don't know. Uh, but in terms of maybe a, a day two pick, I know you've uh, reported a lot on Davis Mills and uh, Kellen Mond has also been mocked to Washington. You know, there's a, a chance that maybe they go in, in the second round or maybe they trade up depending on the cost. Yeah. So again, you're right. Like if, if we're doing our best to read between the lines, perhaps I, the key word is perhaps, perhaps one clue maybe was when asked about, I forget the exact phrase, but when asked about the experience of a quarterback, because there are several quarterbacks in this draft who haven't played a lot of college. And we just came off a situation with Dwayne Haskins where he hadn't started a lot of games in college before he got to the pros. And Martin Mayhew said, you know, I, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's not a great from a talent evaluation standpoint when these guys don't have a lot of games. Now he didn't say we wouldn't draft somebody like that, but you know, okay. So what does that mean? Well, Trey Lance didn't start a bunch of games in college. Mac Jones didn't start a bunch of games in college. Davis Mills didn't start a bunch of games in college. Kellen Mond did. Kellen Mond played a ton. Kyle Trask played a fair amount. Justin Fields played a fair amount. Um, we can skip uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Zach Wilson. Um, so, you know, maybe there's something to read in with that. I I, 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 I don't know what to, to, to make. But I'll, I'll just say this on the day, the, the day two guys. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I get the sense that they're that – uh, how much they're looking at Kellen Mond to this point, so, Kyle Trask. I don't know. I guess I've just been sort of not, I, I, as I have said before, I'm not like sitting here breaking down tape of all these guys. I'm not bringing you that perspective. We will bring, we bring people on to discuss that. Uh, but the, I, in talking to people about, it, I mean, I, when I hear people talk about Kyle Trask, I sort of get to feel like they're talking about Kyle Allen. I'm not talking about the exact same type of quarterback. I'm just saying the guy who is like a, his ceiling is maybe the stopgap quarterback. I, I don't get the impression that Kyle Trask's ceiling is weak, you know, a 17-game a, a, a starter. I have to say 17 now. Davis Mills, I think his upside is that. Now, I don't know if he gets there, but I feel like his upside is, is that. But again, he didn't start a ton of, a ton of games. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, the question, one question I, the question I asked him that <laughs> – he comically shot down and um, I was whatever uh, was more or less. How do you have a quarterback competition, which you have stated many times you're going to have over and over again, a competition has to be more than one person, Ryan Fitzpatrick and whoever else. And if you draft a rookie, that person's got to get reps. Otherwise, especially if you're talking about an early round pick, then like, what are you doing? And you know, well, how do you manage that? And he said, well, we'll get to that. If we, you know, won't want to come when we come to it. What, what I mean, what say you like, like the idea that you could have Ryan? Fitz, I mean, look, I think it's sort of silly, right? We know Fitzpatrick's going to start, but okay, he keeps saying competition. So if you if you if you're honoring that, Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of the other two quarterbacks, and then you have this rookie. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, people do, you know, people, uh, you know, they split the atom, right? I think they did that. You know, people can do things. It's not like it's, a, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I see that as the best thing. In part because, like Jay Gruden said here, don't do that again. He did that. 2019 not good that's right. one reason that's among the reasons why I don't know if I if I see them drafting a quarterback right and I also think that maybe the Haskins situation is coloring our perspective a little bit because Dwayne Haskins was so bad during that camp and he was clearly the third option the entire time he was taking the third amount of reps they gave him some ones some days but for the most part he was really behind the eight ball and so 
it's a matter of if they bring in a rookie, is, is he going to be like that? Is this a guy who's going to need a lot of work? And, and if so, there just really aren't going to be a lot of snaps for him in, in that sort of competition. Now, if he can show that he can run with the twos, you know, I think this would still be Fitzpatrick's job. Maybe he sits for a year, then okay. But yes, it, there, there's that issue. But then there's the whole, okay, we're going to have a quarterback competition, but the public image of it. And if Rivera really wants to sell that, then I think it becomes a lot harder to do so when you have a rookie and a clear veteran kind of established. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you what, the, the, the further we get down the, the rabbit hole of all this, the less I feel like I know what I'm talking about anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, I think this, this entire first round is super confusing. I mean, it's not so much like, obviously most years we have no idea what's going to happen, but this year the variables just seem off the charts. We've talked plenty about the Mac Jones, the 49er situation. Danny and I get into that. Same thing with the fourth pick. Atlanta has three different directions they could go. That's fun. And then, you know, what, what, what does happen with all five quarterbacks? Do they get out? Does anybody slip outside the top 10? And to, to that end, I guess this is what I would, this is my sense of that. Like, so Dallas picks 10, the Giants pick 11, the Eagles pick 12. Unless, you know, unless there's a, hat, a, 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 a Camp David type peace treaty here between the NFC East rivals, I don't see how Washington is trading with any of those teams, right? So they're going to have to jump up ahead of that. Okay, so how does that work? So I, I reported the other day that the lines are open to, um, it, oh, I, I should say, I haven't said this already because I'm a terrible uh, pr- promotion so I put out a big like NFL draft uh, notebook rumors kind of situation up on the athletic, a lot of stuff across the board, Washington too, but a lot of stuff. One of the items was the Detroit Lions are open to trading out of seven. And it makes a lot of sense. They're not logically in the quarterback situation. Um, you know, they're building for the future. They could use more picks. And if they just move down a handful of picks, you know, they could probably still get a wide receiver they want, or maybe, you know, a defender or, you know, Micah Parsons or something like that to jump from 19 to seven is a lot. I mean, that is, a, you're going to have to give up a first, a future one and maybe and perhaps more. So that's a lot. Now, obviously we're willing to give up a one and a three to get Stafford, ironically to, with Detroit, but that's still a lot. Eight to Carolina. Could that work? I mean, maybe obviously, you know, the, the, there's gotta be some connection there still with Hurdy and Rivera, but again, it's only one pick later that, 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 that's a lot. Um, and then nine to Denver. I mean, Denver seems like a team if there's a quarterback soon, there's going to take one. Certainly, yeah. you would think if it's Matt, if it's um, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. So they're not logically going to do that. So I, I don't know if I, how I see Washington gets the quarterback. And if you get past 10, 11, 12, well, New England's at 15. I'm going to bet New England moves up two, three spots to get a quarterback if, if it's in position. So I, I don't I don't know how I see Washington getting that quarterback unless there's just the massive unforeseen thing but there's no sign of that happening right now yeah no I don't really see it either and I was looking at kind of the other day of just what it would take in terms of compensation and there's really no great like roadmap for trading it from 19 to that range like the bills did it they went from 22 to 7 in the Josh Allen year but to first, they went up to 12. They went from 22 to 12, but they traded Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. And so, you know, there's really not that option. You can't trade Morgan Moses. That's like the equivalent of doing that. Guess you could but, trade Brandon Scherf. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is interesting. Um, and then they went from 12 to seven, which the price for that, if you actually go look that up, I don't have it off the top of my head. I probably should is uh, that wasn't as bad. They didn't give up a future first for that. Um, but you know, that that's a lot of moves and to do so on relatively short notice. I mean, we're two weeks in the draft here, you know, they went to 12 to seven on draft night, but I think going from 22 to 12, they did it a few weeks or even a month or so beforehand. So you know, there's no great equivalent for doing so. Except for the Chiefs and the Texans who went up from the late first round to, you know, that mid-range, but they gave up for future first. So looking, looks like here, for, to get from 12 to 7, the Bills traded two second-round picks. It looks like they had two second-round picks that year, it appears, um, to move up five spots. Um, but, yes, they still had to – already move up a bunch there so i don't know so so that i mean that you know look i know there's been a bunch of rumors about this but like i just i i, I just don't see it and i will just say that i in in the the notebook that i had i was told by a, a high-ranking official for some other team that if he wasn't convinced that and this is not definitive it's just one person's view but that not convinced washington would trade up but if they did he thinks it would be for justin fields rather than Trey Lance. Uh, again, if you go to what Mayhew was just saying, the idea of not loving the guys who, you know, I, that's not what he said exactly, but more or less, it's just more challenging to 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 to, to, to evaluate the guys who don't have as much uh, tape. Uh, this would be a, a, you know, the most obvious example. Not only is there a big gap between Fields and Lance from a level standpoint of where they were playing, but Trey Lance played one game in the last year, and Justin Fields played, you know, more or less a full. Uh, college season so I don't I don't know about that and then you know you come down to the point you draft any quarterback you're gonna have to get rid of Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke realistically because the rookie's gonna make the team that's a whole other thing would, would, would you be uh, devastated if Taylor Heineke is not part of your uh, 2021 year uh, Matt Paris I mean I think some people probably would be yeah I, I'm not on that that train I mean I thought they did a great job in the playoff it was a lot of fun but you know, you go for the upside there. And if drafting a future quarter, you know, finding a first round quarterback, if you're actually able to do that, you say goodbye to Taylor Heineke any, any day. And Kyle Allen, we could, I mean, maybe you just cut him because who knows where he's at with his foot after that injury, but you know, Kyle Allen is very, very cheap. And so, you know, it, it costs much less to keep him than even cutting Taylor Heineke. So how about, how about this? Are you ready? I know you're sitting down. I'm going to blow your mind. So Denver, let's just say for say there's a, one of the quarterbacks there and Denver takes the quarterback. So they have Drew Locke going to his third year. It was the same draft as Haskins. Um, you know, there's still some hope there, but okay, if you're going to draft this quarterback, maybe move on. So what about this? They do that. Then Washington says, all right, we'll trade you Kyle Allen and a fourth round pick for Drew Locke. Oh, I, I'm good on that. <laughs> uh, you can uh... – I've watched a lot of Drew Locke. Uh, I was a Broncos fan growing up. I'm good. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think, I think that ship has sailed. I, someone who watched a lot of Haskins as well, seeing if maybe he could pull it together. I just see a lot of, you know, when you see it, you, you see it. I don't see it with Drew Locke. And I just don't think he would put it together here either. Because, I mean, look at Denver supporting cast. Denver supporting cast is much better than Washington's. It certainly was last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not not this year. Sorry, but last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, all right. Our NASCAR correspondent says no to Drew Locke. Um, anything else from yesterday uh, to get into? So the, the, there was a question of would you trade up for something else besides a quarterback? And um, I, I guess the sense was hypothetically sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? This, I mean, it's funny. Ron Rivera during the season, you know, he's pretty candid. You know, he speaks his mind a fair amount. I feel like the last, you know, since the offseason's hit, we've gotten him the much more guarded version of him. And 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 I get it. It's a different type of yeah. situation. You don't want to reveal your hand because you're competing not just against the team you're playing. And even if you said to the team, yeah, we're going to, we need to run the ball better this week. Well, that doesn't mean you will or you don't have or whatever. But now, yeah, you don't just definitively come out and say, we'd like to do X because then, you know, people would know. But regardless, it, it is much more of a, guarded version of him and and martin mayhew is definitively that that way yeah ron Rivera is the type of coach that he'll throw you a notebook with color if you're writing a profile on one of his guys you know he'll give great quotes and give you some pretty informative information about kind of how that player is or where he's coming from the kind of circumstances surrounding him but if you want any any nugget of news it, it is pulling teeth as you tried to do the other day and uh we saw how that turned out uh, yeah, I'm mad at myself. I, 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 in my head, I meant to say more or less, well, that'll be an easy one for the transcribers. And then I just kind of kept going, but in any event, um, all right. Um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, look, I think we're just kind of waiting, uh, you know, I, I just lastly, we, we've been talking about the draft and as I said, I'll get into it more with, with uh, Danny Kelly in a minute, but give you a shot 19. What do you think happens? Um, you know, I think the best case scenario for them is Derisaw, Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. I, I would go there for tackle if it's available. I just don't know if he, he's going to be sitting there. So I think more realistically, I think they kind of end up going linebacker at 19 and pick your guy there, maybe uh, Jeremiah Osu, Caramel, or someone in that range. I don't remember if I talked about Derisaw with Danny, so I won't do it again because he and I talked – yesterday i don't remember but i i wrote about him a bit in the nfl draft intel notebook thing so you can check that out very interesting quotes though from scouts wide range of thoughts about him Um, i'm not sure if he'll be there either there's that gauntlet of teams from the giants at 11 chargers at 13 vikings at 14 Raiders at 17, all those teams need our offensive line and arguably it's their top need or pretty high up. So, it, it, you know, it's hard to know. I mean, there's a, he, he's not the only one. There's other offensive linemen. So it's hard to know exactly if he'll get there unless some of the negative aspects of, of what people have said to me and others pushes him down. The linebacker part, though, becomes interesting because, uh, you know, Uso Caramel is really interesting. But in terms of like this team – and people have mentioned this to me when I've brought him up, like uh, readers or Twitter people, that you know there is some overlap between him and the 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 Landon Collins, Cameron Curl thing. I mean, he's a very different player than Landon Collins, yeah. but at the same time, um, you know, in terms of the immediacy, but he's also arguably better than them, hypothetically. Therefore, you don't worry about it. So, or you know, at least he projects to be. Well, I, like you can keep him in the Kevin Pierre Lewis role of covering linebackers and and putting them there. I mean. You know, they put Cameron Curl in the in the slot last year for bigger tight ends. But when, in theory, if you have Karamoa, then you can just put him on the linebacker and then keep 
uh, curl if he's on the field, if he beats out Collins, you know, in the box and let him take a shot at the quarterback or he can play in coverage. You know, there's, it's good to have options. I mean, I really like Cameron curl, but you know, if, if the talent is sitting there, you take the talent. They're not at a position yet where you say, okay, we have Cameron curl. We can't take this guy. Yeah. And also this is about, the long haul. It isn't just about 2021. I mean, I'm going to bet Landon. Well, actually, if Landon Collins, if, unless things change dramatically, I'm going to guess he's not on the team in 2022. Yeah. So at that point, Cameron Crow could be your strong safety and then, you know, fit in there. So it's not inconceivable, but yeah, that, uh, he's just an interesting player and we'll have to see how they, how they view him if they want to use him. Uh, anything you need to plug before I let you get back to your NASCAR homework? <laughs> uh, no, you know, just, Keep reading the Washington Times. Actually, uh, we have a podcast in the works, so maybe uh, check that out. I'll plug it on Twitter when it eventually releases. But uh, I'll be on the Washington Times Sports Podcast. I don't know what it's called yet, but I'll be plugging that in the future in future appearances, maybe. Fantastic. All right, follow Matt on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S, so you don't miss that breaking podcast uh, news. Uh, always a pleasure. Enjoy Richmond. We'll talk soon. What I will say to you, Danny Kelly from the ringer is that a year ago, I think it was the first time we met was at the combine. And this mm-hmm. is a reminder of how shitty it's been for this last year. Cause that was the last fun I've had on this planet, more or less was, <laughs> was with, those, with those few days in Indianapolis and, and, and doing that whole circuit. And literally here we are a year later, we're about to talk about the NFL draft and yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, but uh, how? So yeah, Danny Kelly from the Ringer. Uh, you guys know him. He uh, he's the NFL draft uh, guru. You can go read his NFL draft guide. Listen to him on the Ringer NFL uh, podcast show and the Fantasy Football Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to help me here break down this draft, and we'll talk about what he thinks. We'll talk about my uh, deep dive that's up on the Athletic with a bunch of gossip and and uh, reports and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, how are you doing in this year since we last uh, breathed the same air when, when it was acceptable to breathe the same air of somebody else? <laughs> yeah, so uh, doing great. Um, sorry, was that the intro? Yeah, that was that was the whole intro. My bad. Okay, so no, you're good. I'm doing great. You know, I, I, we were just talking about the weirdness of this past year. It's just like the whole the whole being remote at all times thing, I think is really wearing on a lot of people. It's definitely wearing on me, but um, yeah, it seems like kind of light, light at the end of the tunnel finally. So that's good. Yeah. I'm getting my second shot. Well, we're recording this on a Friday. I'm getting my second shot on Saturday. So we'll see if my, if my spirits nice. pick up uh, for, for, from that, but NFL draft season is always fun. So we have that to look forward to the draft is, you know, less than two weeks from now uh how many mock drafts are you into at this point uh i think i've done five and i'm gonna do another two here before it's all over so yeah not not like too many not, not crazy but um i feel like it's a pretty good amount I, I'm, I'm ready to just actually see what happens i i will say when i worked at my previous uh station nbc sports washington where they wanted you to do a mock draft every 10 minutes because they <laughs> yeah. would turn them into slideshows and they would do a lot of traffic and all that. I, I think there was some sort of like a Malcolm Gladwellian aspect to it because the more I kept doing it, it was just always on my brain. I think that helped me in some ways to, 
10,000 uh, hours. See the board. And yeah, exactly. Now, because I'm not that guy, I'm doing it very sporadically. Yeah. I feel like I can't see it. And then simultaneously in trying to talk to people around the league in terms of like Washington and other stuff, I feel like my brain is even more clouded than normal. So hopefully this conversation will help bring some clarity uh, to the situation. So no pressure, but all right, uh, I'll do uh, my best. Um, <laughs> do, do, all right. So here's the game we're going to play. We're going to yeah. play. Would you rather? I'm going to ask Danny a question of would you rather and throw out a scenario and then mm-hmm. we'll follow it up with now here's what happens and I will more or less try to guess what's going to happen or predict or tell you what I've heard or whatever. Um, do, do we need to do a would you rather take Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or is that like because it feels like people are trying to push the scenario that some like I think Chris Sims has said he would take Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so I, it feels like you know the mass you know the overall overwhelming consensus is that question, Lawrence, but right. you, you're paying attention. Would you, is there even a debate here or should no. we just move on? No, I, I got Lawrence as my number one overall player. I don't think there's any real reason to debate. I think it, it it's a foregone conclusion more or less that they're taking him at that number one spot. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel need to, to do that. I, in fact, would not pick Zach Wilson at number two either, I guess is maybe that's the question. Yeah, where 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 would you uh, go instead of him? So I w- I got num- I got uh, Justin Fields as my second rated quarterback, second overall player. So I think you know I think we've all pretty much assumed at this point that it's going to be Zach Wilson. I don't know if there's any f- official reports that have said that's the pick. It's kind of one thing where I, everyone's just kind of assuming that's the pick, and I think it's probably going to be the pick. Ninety five percent sure I'll, that'll be the pick, but um, for me. Fields, and it's a similar question with the number three pick with the 49ers. Like, Fields has the highest upside. He's got the best tools. He's got experience at the highest level. Um, He's fast. He's got a cannon for an arm. I don't really get why we're not debating the Zach Wilson versus Fields things more, honestly. I know we're we're doing a ton of that with Mac Jones and Justin Fields. But, um, yeah, I would agree. I I would say 99% sure, 95% sure at least that Zach Wilson's picked there. But for me, if I was picking, it would be Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, this happens – one thing that happens every draft, NBA, NFL, whatever, is the player who has the most information out there gets picked apart in ways that the newer player does not. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like we've been talking about Justin Fields for a long time. Now, Trevor Lawrence is somehow Boring. escaping yeah. all this because he's been anointed the number one pick for three years, and we're yeah. just kind of moving on to a degree. Although, like I said, some people are saying they would take Wilson hypothetically. But um, right. so Fields – Big time at Ohio State, started the last two years. There's enough there to work with. Trey Lance, I mean, it is like, you know, the, Trey Lance is like the the the, uh, the cult indie band that like you sort of, you, you, you've got a couple of like, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, you've heard a couple songs. You've never seen them live. Oh, yeah. we, we got some bootleg footage of them seeing live. The this B-sides. Looks, yeah. Right, right. So, so you've only seen, you know, so you go, and, and you're just seeing the highlights kind of to some degree, you're, you know. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones is a little more than that because of the fact that he played at Alabama, but it's still only mm-hmm. one year. So it does feel like there's just more to be picked on with with Justin Fields. Plus, he came into the year with not, not that Lance didn't come in here with expectations, but he also only played the one game. Fields yeah. had some sketchy games, I guess you could say, but he had a monster game in the, in the postseason. So I, I don't know. Is that is it, I guess it just feels like that's as much as any of the reason for this, although I have yeah. heard some people on the team side kind of question fields enough sort of yeah and you know I've, I've i feel like we've talked about it like at the media at large just talked about um some of the narratives that go along with justin fields and and you know the the processing speed all that stuff 
Um, I personally lean that it's more like smokescreen stuff than real. I, I know that teams love Zach Wilson. So I'm not like, I'm not claiming that Wilson is like a, a lowly prospect or anything like that. I just think that Fields is um, on that top tier with me for me in, in my mind and, and the, like his tools, everything about him, like the whole, the whole package is there. So it's a little bit mystifying. It has been a little bit mystifying to me in this like process that he's sort of fallen when you see Zach Wilson and, and even Trey Lance, like potentially going to, or we're talking about both those guys being taken before fields and maybe even Mac Jones. So he could be like the fourth or fifth quarterback taken now. And so I think that, that to me is the mystifying thing. And, and I recognize that some teams are just going to have other guys higher, but um, I think it's just like a, it's, a, it's a weird part of this whole draft process. It kind of have, like you said, it happens every year. You get just tired of talking about you talking about the same guys, I guess. And, and the new guys are all exciting and shiny, like Zach Wilson. He came out of nowhere this year. And so, um, yeah, that might, that might just be part of it. All right, let's go to the next one. Sort of, we're going to stay with the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are, you know, kind of a big deal. If you are Kyle Shanahan, so not yeah. you could take off your hat, put on the Kyle Shanahan 49ers hat. If you are Kyle Shanahan, would you, would you take Mac Jones over Trey Lance or Justin Fields? So obviously the, the, the belief publicly is, of course he wouldn't based right. on potential and talent. But if he does it, then there must be some method to the madness in his case. So yeah. in other words, can you see why Kyle Shannon would do this? And therefore, would you if you were him? I think that you can talk yourself into it in the sense that Kyle Shanahan, well, there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, like Shanahan has worked successfully with players of the Mac Jones ilk, you know, the Shobs of the world, uh, Kirk Cousins, um, and obviously Jimmy G and Matt Ryan is like the big one. And actually before this whole thing went down, I had Mac Jones comp to Matt Ryan. So it kind of does make sense on some level. Um, my question, I guess, would be why the 49ers view Mac Jones as a two first round pick upgrade over Jimmy G. You know what I mean? So I guess that's like the big thing that's kind of holding me back. I can talk myself into it. I can say this is why he wants to. He wants a guy who's going to get rid of the ball quickly, you know, distribute the ball to his playmakers, be on time, um, pass accurately, not make big turnovers, not make bad decisions. I get all that stuff. And I think that's like the overarching argument for Mac Jones being this pick. But I don't know if he's and I don't think he is a two first round pick upgrade two future first, like you're mortgaging the future. He's not that big of an upgrade over Jimmy G. I don't get what, why they, they felt the desperate, desperate need to make this move to get a guy who, you know, will potentially like the upside is like to be a little bit better than Jimmy G, I guess. And so like, that's, that's the thing that kind of holds me up with this whole thing. I, and, and again, obviously I'm biased because I got Justin Fields way higher. I think Justin Fields is the clear. It should be the clear pick here. Um, but you know, I think that again, there's reasons that, that Shanahan could talk himself into this. And, and, um, so I'm not like discounting the fact that this is a very good op, like it's a very good chance of happening. It seems like it's going to happen at this point. You, you said you're, you're biased because you have fields higher. Do you find yourself rooting for your mock draft or your big board as this process goes along? I mean, I certainly do, if I, especially at the end of the mock draft. I mean, I, you know, for contest purposes, I'm only rooting for it, but like, right, you right. find yourself going, no, damn it. I did the, no, I want to be proven right. We're going to go this way. 
Oh yeah. Everybody. I mean, that's human nature, right? Like you want to, you want to feel like you have a good grasp on kind of what people are doing. Um, you know, I haven't had the success in the huddle report, uh, competition that you have. So yeah, that's because um, you probably have a life. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're winning where it counts. <laughs> um, but yeah, in fact, I think like two or three years ago, I got literally zero picks. Right. So that was a good, that was a good one. Um, that was the year I believe that that Mayfield went first overall. I think I ended up t- taking Darnold first in my mock and then it just all fell apart from there. Um, but anyways, the bottom line is, yeah, absolutely. Like I like getting the picks, right. It's fun. It's like, you know, we spend a lot of time. I know you spend tons of time digging deep, talking to people, trying to get a feel for everything. Um, you know, reading everything you can reading the beat reporters, trying to get a, get a grip on what teams want to do, what they're going to go, where they're going to go, how certain players, how high certain players are going to go. So it's fun to see the, the work pay off for sure. Um, yeah. So, okay. So in terms of my, what, what will happen? I, uh, I mean, I, you know, in talking to people and uh, you know, the reports are out there, I think until we hear a new, a new uh, line of thinking, Mac Jones seems like it's the answer, regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the best theories I have as to why this would be the case, even though uh, like I have a quote in my story that's up on athletic about one GM saying, he doesn't understand why they would do this because he probably he thinks could have had him at 12 or at least right, uh, you know, reasonable chance. Um, one is some team was going to make this move and trade up. And even if they didn't take Mac Jones, the dominoes on the quarterbacks would start and tip, yeah. sort of take control of the situation, move up. You're going to like somebody enough. They, they think they like him if they fall in love with somebody else. So be it, but at least you're going to take control. The, the other is, and I've used this, a. Uh, analogy locally uh because we always used to make fun of jay gruden always seemed to want to shove colt mccoy into the lineup all the time and we're all like really like yeah we don't quite get it and the reasoning seemed to be uh, i think jay gruden has sort of said this is he knew that he he has an idea of what he wants as an offensive guy who feels pretty confident about his system and all that and he wants at some point yes there's upside but at some point you just want somebody who'll do what you want Right. And right. Colt McCoy was the vessel for that. And that in this case, Kyle Shanahan, whose confidence level seems to be, you know, he, he, if, if, he's a one percenter. It feels like he's very confident young man uh, that he may view Mac Jones as the better, ver- the best version of that. It may be a, a Kirk Cousins or an, or maybe even not saying better than Kirk Cousins, but maybe a Kirk Cousins 2.0 on some level right. that this guy will do what I want. And look, I think we probably all to some degree discount what Mac Jones did at Alabama this year. Yes. He's playing with the best players. Yes. His receivers right. are off the charts. He still had to do it. And he had a phenomenal year statistically and you know, they had a yep. great year. So yep. it, it's not like he's a bum. It's just potential. His ceiling doesn't seem to be as high as, right. as the other guys. So I, I think people around the league seem confused. But at the moment, until proven otherwise, it feels like it's heading in that direction. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly where I am. I mean, I get it. That that's the that's the logic that you can, I guess, talk yourself into or or rationalize what they're doing if they end up doing that. And I think a lot of 49er fans are kind of having that that thought process in their head right now. Like, if it is Mac, you know, is it is it in Kyle we trust? And, and we can see why he's doing this, or is this like this horrific, stupid decision? They're overconfident in their ability to coach, you know? And, it, and to me, like the, like the thing that, again, I keep coming back to is you're playing in a division with a lot of good pass rushers. You're playing in a division with Aaron Donald. 
And I get the idea of wanting to do everything on schedule, get the ball out. But when you got Aaron Donald coming through the offensive line in one second and like wrecking the, the pocket several times a game, you need a guy who can escape, do something with the ball, you know, second level or second, um, second effort stuff, off structure stuff. You know, he's talked about how a guy like Josh Allen and in the past, they talked, he talked about how Josh Allen just a guy that that can do that is just so killer. Bill Belichick has talked about that constantly over his career. Like, you know, the guys that can do that is just so hard to prepare for. So I just don't understand why they would make this move, this aggressive, aggressive move and, and mortgage the future for a guy who is not going to provide that. So I think that's like, you know, again, that's the internal argument that we have to have. Um, I'm not, I guess I'll, I'll believe the Mac Jones thing when I see it, like I'll believe it fully, obviously when I see it, but I'm still like in the back of my mind and, and thinking, you know, there's a pretty, it, it's, this has gotta be a smoke screen, right? Like this has gotta be a smoke screen, but it, I don't know. It, you know. it would be pretty impressive if, if yeah. it is all smoke screen. and they had Chris Sims essentially who everybody, <laughs> part of the reason why this became a thing was Chris Sims like immediately said, this is points to Mac Jones. People are like yep. Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan's or BFF. So this must be true. That would be quite the stunt if somehow this is all nonsense, but uh, yeah, we will, uh, we will see. All right. I think the real fun for me start, I mean, th- three is like you said, sort of, it's super intriguing, but boy, we'll see. Four is an actual decision. I think it's a fascinating one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, so the, would you rather, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, would you rather take the quarterback of the future to play we'll say behind soon to be what 36 year old Matt Ryan yeah, or take the best player available to help 36 year old Matt Ryan and Julio Jones in this group, take a leap up. The saints are out of, you know, or could take a step back without Drew Brees. I think it's a fascinating decision. What would you, what would you rather do do? at that spot? (sighs) This one's so tough. I I'm like 51 to 49% like in favor of them just taking Kyle Pitts and, and, and going for it right away. And I'm, and I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of, you know, um, Fontenot and, and, and Arthur Smith and kind of coming in and trying to get something going right away versus, you know, laying the foundation for the future kind of deal, like trying to weigh those options. Um, but I keep coming back to this idea that it's like the NFL, not for long, all that stuff, like, like fan bases can turn on you quickly. Things can go south in a hurry. And for a new, a new head coach, new GM, wanting to get in there and establish like a culture of winning and a culture of like, we're going to be a good team every year. We're going to try and build this thing. I keep coming back to this idea that they want to take a blue chip talent like Kyle Pitts and just like go out and and make the playoffs this year. You know what I mean? So it would be very difficult for me to sit there. If, if, especially if, if Justin Fields is on the board there, I don't think I would be able to not take Justin Fields, but putting my putting myself in the in their shoes and trying to figure out like building for the long term versus like you know getting things going right away and like building a positive uh narrative around what you're doing as a team I think is important for for guys in in that in their position and so I think it would be very it's it's an impossible decision and then trading back too is like difficult too because then you're passing up on blue chip guys so it's right. tough. They're, they're like in a, they're in a very awesome. It's like, a, it's one of those very good problems to have, but it's also just a, a damn hard decision. Right. I mean, they could trade back to six or seven hypothetically and still get the quarterback. I would think because uh, presumably if six or seven Miami or Detroit, I, 
I would think would not trade up for the quarterback. I would think they would be trading up for Kyle Pitts hypothetically. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. Cincinnati's obviously not going to take a quarterback. Now they could trade out, but they're not going to take a quarterback. So you could still maybe trade down and still get Trey Lance. Or, or in my sense is the league thinks it's either Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts if they stay at four. Yep. Um, I'm with you. I think it's a tough call. I, for me, I'm. I'm going for it. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. I mean, yeah. you have Matt Ryan. I mean, he, you're not he, not just because Tom Brady is winning a Super Bowl at the age of 74, but like, you know, Matt Ryan <laughs> right. is still good. Uh, Atlanta obviously was not very good last year, but Matt Ryan's still good. Like, I, you know, if I'm going to keep him, I need to help this scenario. And yes, I understand. Yeah. I don't want to be in this position again. So while I'm here, take the pick. And that was what the view from, or take the quarterback. And that was the view of the, the couple of the GMs I talked to were like, I take the, take this guy and we'll deal with later. Plus that's what I think. With, yeah. With a new coach and a new GM, they can wait, right. They can take the quarterback away. Cause they plan, they will be here in theory in, in three, four years versus like, if this was say the bears with an embattled, a good term there and a battle GM, they right. probably need to take Kyle Pitts. I mean, you know, like they need to take somebody who can help him now though, arguably they right. need a quarterback, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So I, I guess there's that. So yeah, I think it's a fascinating call. I guess since I'm on the, uh, what happens scenario i'll go with the the smart people and say they take quarterback but and, and i'll say it's trey lance which i think kind of makes sense it, it, most people seem to at this point think he has the most upside since he's going to be sitting a year or two anyway fine let him let, let him uh you know grow to mature behind matt ryan but yeah right. i i love this decision and if you factor in the trade three angles all potentially amazing and all could be you, you know, I think all are interesting and that's what makes it so fun. It's not yeah. really a bad, yeah. a bad decision uh, for sure. All right. This one's slightly more complicated, but not for, <laughs> a, 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 not for someone like you. All right. Would you rather draft Jamar Chase at five? Mm. That is where the Bengals pick, but Jamar Chase at five, J uh, Jalen Waddle, the other, I think it's either one of those two receivers is going first. So Jalen Waddle at seven, that's where Detroit's picking or Devonta Smith, the Heisman trophy winner and other Alabama receiver 12 to the Eagles. So basically what I'm kind of saying is I think that's the order that people have them in from, from talking to people around the league. And the question is, it isn't just the order. It's the value of where they are on the board. Like, you know, so would you rather right, chase at right. five Waddle at seven or Smith at 12? <sighs> Well, it's a complicated question for a number of reasons. Number one, Devontae Smith, I love him, but the outlier, the thought that he's going to have to be an outlier in the NFL to be, if he's going to be a big success and have a ton of um, stats and put up production and be really good and stay healthy and have a long career, he's going to be an outlier because he's 170 pounds. My immediate instinct was like, yeah, the Eagles trading back, getting an extra first round pick and still getting Devontae Smith at 12. That to me looks like a great value. And, and that to me is probably what I would choose because when you're talking about Jamar chase at five, you're, you're playing the game. Like, well, you could have taken Penny Sewell here. You know, you could take who a guy who could turn into like a 10 year starter, 10 year all pro guy. Um, and then same with like either six or seven, you're talking about potentially taking a quarterback or trading back for a huge haul at those spots. Like the, to me, the, the Eagles don't have as many options at 12 and Devonte Smith looks like, to me, the clear sort of top player. He'd be my top rated guy at that spot, likely. So I'm going to say Devontae Smith, uh, just because I think the value's there. 
the the trade back scenario where they they pick up the extra first rounder um and still get a guy like Devontae smith it would be very good for their fan base like the fan base would rally around that i think and, and you know view that as a good move it'd be good for howie roseman's reputation all that stuff so i'm, I'm going with the yeah Devontae smith at 12 good i like the fact that you you you, you grasp the spirit of the question uh and, and uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting one, for for sure. Um, I'm glad I asked you that because as I'm trying to think of it, I don't know actually how I would answer the question. But since <laughs> I didn't, I'm not tasked with that. I'm tasked with the what will happen scenario. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, if Atlanta goes with the quarterback at four and that leaves Kyle Pitts on the board, I, like the, the the debate that everybody on Twitter is having fun with for the last few weeks is does Cincinnati take the offensive tackle and Penny Sewell? to protect Joe Burrow or do they take the receiver to help Joe Burrow, especially in, in the case of Chase, his college teammate. Um, I think if Pitts is there, I think that's going to have to answer both. I personally would right. take the tackle over the receiver, but when you do these things, you have to look at what happens in the next round. And, and in this draft, they sh- they will be able to get a good talent at receiver and offensive line mm-hmm. in the early second round. So it really does come down to, I think, do you think that, you know, Chase or, or Sewell is better. Just out of curiosity, if you just between them, just regardless, do, do you have, which one did you have higher on your board? Well, I've got Chase higher on my board. Um, but I, yeah, I think it, like you framed it correctly. They they can either they can still get a good receiver or a tackle in the second round or early second round. And so you have to ask yourself who is who has a, a higher magnitude? Like who's who's higher? Who's better than the second round option? relative you know relative to the second round option so like is is the drop is the drop from sewell to a second round tackle greater than the drop from chase to a second round receiver i would probably lean sewell if we're talking about that discussion because i think he's that much better than what you're going to get in the second round at tackle does that make sense like i think yeah you're still going to get a very good receiver in the second round and i think the drop from going from sewell to I don't know, like a Liam Eikenberg or something like that in the second round, I think is, is pretty significant. So I'm going to st- I'm going to say I would take Sewell there, even though I have chase higher on my board by like one or two spots. Right. No. And I, 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 I agree with, with that. Plus, I mean, just in, not that past is prologue, if that's the right, if, if I have that right, but like <laughs> we've seen obviously day two receivers blow up in recent totally. years, you know, DK yep. Metcalf, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin here in the third round. So um, just, and, and this draft is loaded today. We talked to, Martin Mayhew uh, and Ron Rivera, and they were very tight-lipped about what they think about it, almost anything. But when I asked Mayhew about what were his, what did he see as strengths and weaknesses in the draft, he just said the receiver class is is really deep. Which yeah, you know, I would agree with that. Not breaking news, but yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of guys in the class, a lot of talented players, and none of them are like rare enough, I'd say, in terms of size or speed or some special trait necessarily you know what i mean like they're all like six foot 200 pounds and all really good players (laughs) it's like it it feels like a little bit like um at least at the top you know you're gonna have um you're gonna have question marks about pretty much everybody you know chase is an excellent excellent prospect but there's gonna be at least thing holes that you can pick in all these guys absolutely and i'm not saying this is the case but i did put in my uh, story today that i was told that the eagles are are exploring moving up even though they just traded down which i really? think you could argue if <laughs> well i mean it's you know just like with the dolphins you could i guess in theory still make a move up and still come out of the overall hall with more and i guess the question for philly is 
a is what do they want one of these receivers if they were to slide or do they want to jump Dallas or maybe even Carolina to get Patrick Sertain um mm, so yeah. I, I think that's something to that, that, that could be fun as well uh, the trade the trade rumors are always fun oftentimes of course nothing comes about but so great right. um all right speaking of this I don't even really have a great one here but got to get into New England question here so I guess we'll just go with this and we can tweak this as needed uh <laughs> would you rather if you're Bill Belichick trade into the top 10 mm-hmm. to take a rookie quarterback knowing that you're gonna have to give up assets and you're if you're bill belichick you're playing for now really right. i mean you're not you're not this is not there's no building here per se even though he has a brain that kind of all is always about value or would you rather stay put keep your assets and then say take at 15 uh, say uh, penn state linebacker micah parsons who is arguably a top 10 talent but he could slide a little bit because of some multiple same maturity issues mm-hmm. uh, what would you rather do if you're bill belichick he never trades up they say uh, by the right. way i heard I saw somebody making a big deal that he's never traded up for a quarterback well no duh i mean you've had tom brady for 20 years right, I, I, that's not a thing <laughs> but nonetheless he's not a guy that trades right. up in general per, right. regardless so what would you rather do trade up if you're belichick give up stuff to get a quarterback more or less for the future but a quarterback mm-hmm. or stay put and take i'm just going to say micah parsons I would much rather trade up. I think they're, I'm almost like convinced that they're going to trade up. I don't, I don't have like any inside info on that. I'm just looking at their off season and looking at some of the comments that they've made and the aggressive nature that they had in free agency, the way that they've constructed their, their roster, the amount of money that they gave to Cam Newton to me at all point in that. And by that, I mean, not very much it to me at all points to them situating themselves to trade up get a quarterback i think if justin fields falls past three i think they're immediately going to be like okay we're going to go up and get this guy like i I referenced this earlier but like bill belichick always talks about how hard it is to stop um mobile quarterbacks how how much of a pain in the ass it is to plan for that how hard it is to um you know contain players like that that can beat you with their legs when things break down in front of them so i just i don't know I, i can just really see this this reality where all of a sudden the Patriots are getting Justin Fields. And I think if if Fields falls and the NFL deserves it, <laughs> like the NFL deserves the Patriots getting Justin Fields. Right. And, and, uh, other than like in the, in the NBA, every year was like, there would be some prospect who shouldn't have fallen that did. And always the Spurs got them every <laughs> yeah. time. You're like, this come on again. Well, what is that? What is happening here? Why do the Spurs always, uh, always get these guys? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that front. I mean, it just, the way they handled their offseason, uh, I mean, they were way more aggressive than they typically are. Obviously, they yep. didn't have the money to spend, but you don't have to spend it. The Colts right. were a reserve. Chris Bauer didn't go crazy. He stayed with what he does. But Belichick, as as, as somebody, as a, another uh, executive said to me that I put in the story, like he was miserable this year. And I mentioned that. I was like, yeah, this is obvious, Cap. You know, this is, of course, Captain Obvious speaking. But the point is, he's doing something about it. He went hog wild in free agency. They went nuts. And while drafting a rookie quarterback to play behind Cam Sims isn't necessarily helping you for now, it is both. Plus, like, well, Cam Sims, obviously, or Cam Sims, Cam Sims is, is here. Cam Newton. In Washington, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Washington, <laughs> Washington wide receiver. Yeah, no, Cam Newton, you know, obviously he's been injured too. I mean, so, mm. you know, in, in the league now, we know you got to have somebody else. And, you know, what, what do they got right now? Jared Stidham, uh, right? Is that what? Yeah, behind, I think. I'm not sure if they have anyone else, but yeah, he's still there. The point is there's not anybody like 
that's going to carry them to the playoffs on that roster right now. Other right. Than so so yeah. look, maybe Cam Newton, you know, with the extra weapons and, and getting a full off season with his team, as opposed to last year was rushed. He got there late, signed late, all that. Maybe that's enough, but gives you another option. And, and I think it, you've gone this far. If you're Belichick, screw it. You, you, you know, you, you don't need to hold all your cards for the rest of time. Your time right. is coming up one way or the other, it, it would appear. So I agree. And I, I will say that I think they do trade up also. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on that one. Um, all right, we're going to localize this one to Washington uh, before I even get to what I think what, what, to ask you about some of the linebackers. I'll give you that tease that they may, that may be there at 19, just out of curiosity, you part of your brain is NFL draft, but you also have the fantasy football. How mm-hmm. excited are you for the Fitz magic of it all joining this team? That's got McLaurin. It's got Antonio Gibson. Now Curtis Samuels here, Logan Thomas. Yeah. Are, are, are you excited for, have you ever considered Fitz magic? A, uh, I don't even know if you consider him now, but is he, is it, he's, he's gotta be borderline QB one, like <laughs> right. in, a, in a 14 team league. Right. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's everywhere he's gone, he's number one, not everywhere. I should say like in the last, no, you know, six or seven years or whatever. When he's been playing, he helps produce, like he he produces, number one, big games for himself, but he also feeds his receivers. He's aggressive. He throws the ball downfield. And, you know, so I think that is a huge, huge positive. I know fantasy, the fantasy world loves uh, Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin, I think, you know, Antonio Gibson is one of these guys that uh, is, I think a lot of people could see him after this season being on like the same level as like a, you know, Saquon in terms of like dynasty value. And so this is, this is an ascending team from the, from a dynasty slash fantasy point of view. People are very excited about that. Obviously it's a short-term thing with Fitz, but um, yeah, it's like super exciting. It, it opens up that offense. It makes it makes Washington actually interesting from a fantasy point of view, other than you know those two guys. It, like, who's going to be the number three? Um, I guess Curtis Samuel is has been one of those guys where, you know, he's been up and down, and people have been really excited about him in the past. And he he finally did produce a, a little bit last year, and I think that people could see him being a breakout guy this season. So um, I would say overall, yeah, people are super excited about this. I think it's it's going to be fun. And um, assuming they don't take a quarterback and start him from day one. Um, you know, I think that's not going to change. People are going to be very high and, 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 um, maybe a little bit too high, maybe on some of these guys. Oh, definitely around here. There's no question about that. Like when you just said Curtis Samuel could have a breakout year and I'm thinking, wait, he's not already going to Canton. Cause the way we're, cause the way he gets <laughs> talked about this is like, Oh, Curtis Samuel, they just signed, uh, you know, Jerry Rice and uh, all that, but, uh, right, right. you know, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting group you mentioned the idea of quarterback i didn't include that in here but just out of curiosity i, I presume you saw there was a report i can't a few days ago mike lombardi about that they really like trey lance and he could envision them trading up and now you're starting mm-hmm. to hear more of that um i basically have said i don't i don't see it yeah yeah ron rivera today shockingly told us nothing about that which is ex- expected it, it would go against his philosophy that he's kind of gone with in terms of building the roster um, and look, competition have, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you have Fitzpatrick and I get Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. I'm not saying that that's wow. And amazing. And you, they absolutely right. still need a long-term answer, but you have three guys that started a game last year. I don't know what to make of Heineke, but whatever he, he, he was good in the, in the playoff game and Rivera loves Kyle Allen. So to me, like when you have three quarterbacks on your roster, that seemingly are NFL quarterbacks, I don't know that I need to go run out and get another one, especially if I'm like a yeah. day two guy. 
I really would have to love him, but if I really loved him, why am I not taking him in the first round? Um, so I don't buy it. Plus, if they keep their top four picks, which is like a first, a second, and two thirds, if they took just for needs, you could argue they wouldn't have a hole in their starting lineup, which isn't to say they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just mean like right, you know, right. building blocks, and then you can get the quarterback later. Anyway, but what's your view from the outside? You're not. You're not. Uh, you're not burdened with with the constant thinking of the Washington football team. Do you buy the idea of of them trading up for a quarterback or, or should they? I don't know if I have like a strong take on it. I did, in fact, have Washington trading up to eight with the Panthers in my last mock draft, like either I think it was like on Monday or something or, or Tuesday or something like that. And then I listened to your pod and I was like, oh, damn, I think I'm I think I probably missed on that one because I think you're right. It, it probably makes it's, it's it's a very aggressive move. They'd have to move up quite a bit, right? Nineteen to right. seven or eight. You're gonna have to probably give up a future first, I think, At or least. I don't know what it would be, but um, it just I guess it depends. If it, if Lance is the only guy left there, maybe they wouldn't have to give up that much. But um, it is a very aggressive move. You are giving up a good chunk of of draft capital and building capital. And they're already a team. I think, you know, they're, they're a playoff team. They're a team that could, you know, if they take a jump this year, be potentially in the running for the Super Bowl. Um, that might be, that might sound like a lot, but like, I bet that's how they see it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think maybe I, now I'm leaning, it's probably not going to happen. I could see Chicago being a, a higher threat because of the desperation in the front office to make, like, to make a big move make a impactful move, um, do something they think that will maybe buy them some time and change things right now. Um, but I ultimately, yeah, I think they're probably, Washington is probably like third or fourth on the list now in my mind of like teams that will trade up for a quarterback. Well, you know, we'll see if it's, it's absolutely possible. Then, you know, the, the brain trust they have has only been together a relatively short amount of time. And it's possible that, it, you know, look, there was no combine things are weird that they, they did pro days. And then once everybody does all the math and, and figures everything out, they decide, you know what, we can't live without so-and-so um, somebody told me they think if they were to trade up, it would be for fields, not Lance, but we'll see. Um, all right. So There's I mentioned so much of this out here. It's, it's hard to keep track who wants who. In, in this draft oh it's it's it's, <laughs> it's all it's all it's look a lot of it is silly i mean look and you try to do the best you can with figuring out what makes sense what's not and when you hear it from certain people you take that opinion more than than, than sure. others and you, you hope for the best obviously 95 percent of it will lead to nothing because that's just how it always works but nonetheless right, right. we'll see what happens um, so that said, I mentioned the linebackers. I, I won't make you necessarily say which one you think fits best for Washington, but if you can, if you want to, that's fine. But so if Micah Parsons is considered the best linebacker, that seems to be the general sense. After that, it's like some order. You've got Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, the sort of calling him a linebacker is almost doesn't seem right. He's right. a hybrid defender out of Notre Dame that we've discussed here plenty of times. Can play linebacker, can cover slot, safety. He's not the biggest guy, but he's fast and he makes plays. Uh, Jamin Davis, who was on this podcast the other day, uh, he's kind of come out of nowhere to some degree out of Kentucky. Right. Well, he came from Kentucky, but in terms of the draft, he's come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. um, he just built like a brick, fill in that word there. And, uh, you know, three down, three down linebacker blew away his pro day. And then you have Zayvon Collins, 
who was won all the awards as effectively the best uh, linebacker, best defender, whatever, in college last year. Yep. Just this incredible physical specimen. The only knock I ever really heard about him was one one team said they look when you look at a player, you try to decide what have we seen before to know what this guy could be. And they're like, I don't know. He's too, he's way taller than every linebacker we ever know. Yeah. yeah and it, there's nobody that size who's done, who's playing that position. So we don't even quite know what to make of him. Mm-hmm. Like so just in general with linebackers, or again, if you want to be specific to Washington, who I think says just to set it, I think it's tackle or linebacker if they go with this need. Okay. So what do you think for those three guys? How do you kind of have them? And if you, like I said, if you have a take for Washington, go for it. Yeah, I've got, I have uh Owusu Koromoa and Parsons back to back at nine and 10. I really like Koromoa. I think he's just super explosive, exciting, dy- dynamic, versatile player. I, I actually comped him to Jamal Adams. So I see him, I guess, more as a safety than a, than a real, th- like a three down box linebacker or whatever. Um, I, I think they probably would lean Parsons because he's got the size he's got, he's more prototypical linebacker. Um, he's got the highest upside probably I would say just because of his athleticism, his frame and versatility. He's another guy that can like come off the edge and rush and stuff like that. So um, I would probably say if they don't get, if it were me, it would be a Wusakoromoa or Parsons or bust. Don't take a linebacker. If it's, if it's Collins, Davis, Bolton, Nick Bolton, Jabril Cox, Chaz Surratt, um, any of these guys, you could probably get one of those guys in the second round. And I think that would be better value. So I would say they should take it either one of those two, two top guys, Usukormo or Parsons, I think. And I, you'd probably, you could speak to their defensive scheme better than I could. So maybe which, which guy you think fits better. Um, but they're very different style players. And so, um, whatever they think is going to be more impactful right away in, in their offense or defense. And I think if not take a tackle and wait until the second round to get linebacker. Um, yeah, I think Parsons, again, just from a fit standpoint, would be ideal. I mean, he's the more yeah. traditional three-down linebacker. And, and like with Owusu yeah, Karamoe, it is got to have a plan in place. And it's yeah. sort of tricky in the sense that they have Landon Collins and Cameron Curl. They, don't, they, they need a free safety, which is arguably another option at 19. There just may not be anybody that, that they think is worthy of that, of that spot. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, I had, I'm, I'm curious what you think of this. Cause you, as somebody who, who studies the draft, I was talking to somebody about all this and they said that they struggle kind of with any of the, with, with any of the Owusu Karamoa Davis, by the way, I almost hope they don't take Owusu Karamoa just cause saying it is right. uh, it's difficult. A so you can uh, say K, uh, JOK yeah, or something right. like that. Oh, that, that will be happening. There's yeah. no, it'll be a JOK situation for sure. Um, <laughs> but any of the, him, Davis, or Zayvon Collins, somebody was like, well, if I look to last year, I like Kenneth, the, the Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen better than these guys, and they both fell into the 20s. Right. Now, obviously, every draft has its own you know, uniqueness, but like based on that, it's like, I don't know if I buy them at any of them at 19. Um, mm-hmm. if, if one of them was going to go there, it does feel like it would be JOK. Uh, the, the, there's more love <laughs> for, for, for him. But okay. um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking myself into them, but I probably, in, when I've been doing the mocks, I've had the top four offensive linemen typically going before 19. If any of them were still there, I would go with that. Yeah. So if I, maybe I'd cheat and change that to, to have one of them fall to 19, take myself off the linebackers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should just do that. 
Yeah. I mean, and hey, they could always do a different position. You know, they could always just go BPA or, and take the highest graded guy and, and maybe have a little redundancy and live with that, you know, do like the Saints thing where you just kind of pick a good player. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. I got I got two more questions here for you. Uh, we can skip the team. and I'll just say this. If we're going to say the top three receivers are Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. Would you rather take blank as wide receiver four? Because there are so many receivers. You've got mm. you Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, um, uh, Elijah Moore, uh, Terrace Marshall, Rondale yes. Moore, Deami Brown. I'm just looking at my board here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's tons of guys, and depending on what you're looking for, small guy, big guy, yep, fast guy, red zone guy. Like, there's lots of different ways to go. So obviously, it is sort of dependent on the team specific. But that said. For you, yep. would you rather have blank at wide receiver four? Uh, so I've got Bateman ranked fourth, and I've got him at twenty three. I'm gonna and I'm gonna put a new big board out here pretty soon. I think next week, Monday. Um, and then I've got Elijah Moore at thirty three. So I think what I would prefer, I guess I would say Bateman because I think he has more all around like a skill set size to be an all-around receiver. I do think Elijah Moore has the talent to play outside, but he mostly played in the slot. So if you're looking for like an all-around talent, I think Bateman is the guy. But I, I really like Elijah Moore too. And he I think he'll be like an early second rounder. Yeah, I really like I like Bateman. I, part because like before the season started, like he was somebody I was told to keep an eye on. And then yeah. obviously he almost didn't play. And then he did not that he had like the most amazing year, but just, you know, you, you watch, pay, pay, try to pay attention and you can just see the route running. And then, you know, I don't yep. know what to make of any of these 40 times because everybody seemed to run really fast. But, you know, the fact that he ran as fast as he did sub four, four, you know, made, made him uh, all, all the more attractive. Um, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, based on talent, I think there, there could be five or six receivers going around one, but because there are so many receivers, yeah, you can wait. I just always think if there's a tie, like a team wants a receiver and position, whatever else, you go with the other position. Right. Right. So I don't even know if you know. Could the Ravens take a receiver? Sure. The Saints? Sure. The Packers? Sure. Uh, yeah. But will any of them? I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I think I think Bateman, Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Tony. So that's four. Plus the three guys that are surely going in the first, I, th- I would say Chase Smith and Waddle. So you could have up to seven first rounders, uh, but I don't think that will happen. I'm with you. Um, the Washington football team just did something. Hold on. I always like it when quasi breaking news happens. I'm assuming this is not that exciting, but hold on one second. Uh, they have waived cornerback Demarcus AC. I will not ask you to. Uh, weigh in on that transaction <laughs> but cornerback you. Uh, the, you know the cornerback depth is still in question so yeah it, it, it is it is still further so we'll we'll you know sorry to mr ac uh best of luck in your future endeavors um last question this one is quasi connected to washington again but more also the fun debate of if we're going to say in some order we've got we know who the top five quarterbacks are the question is who's quarterback six so it doesn't have yeah. to be team specific, but like I said, obviously for Washington, it's a thing that people think they want they want to when, when you want to give a quarterback to a team in day two or round two, it's clear everybody just goes Washington or Chicago or both and just gives one of them to them. So yeah. that said, for quarterback six, would you rather Danny Kelly take 
Davis Mills from Stanford, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, Kyle Trask from Florida. And if you want to throw in Jamie Newman from Georgia slash Wake Forest, go ahead. But who right. would you take as QB six? I think I would take Mills and only because I think the ceiling would be a little bit higher with him. I, I So Trask, obviously incredibly productive this last year, but he's almost to me like a little bit of a, a poor man's Mac Jones in the sense his, his ceiling is like very capped by his lack of athleticism, lack of uh, elite arm strength and, and accuracy. Whereas Mills, I guess, is more of a, and this is like a philosophical philosophical thing. Are you looking for floor or ceiling? I think Mills has a, a lower floor, but he, he has a higher ceiling. And so Mills, I think, started 11 games in college. It's, he's yeah. a big unknown. He's got athleticism. He's a former five-star guy. Um, you know, I think he, he has tools to develop in the NFL if a team wants to, like, take him and, and develop him for two years and see what happens. Um, so I think I would rather bank on the upside then sort of go with the floor of a guy like Trask who I see as, and I've seen him comp to Mason Rudolph, which I think is, is very apt or like a Nick Foles type of guy where in the right situation with a really elite surrounding cast, he could be good. But otherwise, if you're asking him to carry an offense, it's, it's probably not going to be pretty. Um, so that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. And, you know, I think from the Washington perspective, I'll, I'll, I'll make the what happens from there. I mean, like I said before, I'm not that convinced that they take a quarterback, even though everybody wants to go there right now. And I'm not saying it's impossible. <laughs> Let's be clear. I don't know what their complete intentions are. I've reported previously that they're interested in Davis Mills, uh, interested, Interesting. In, okay. interested in marriage or very different things. And, um, you know, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. And, you know, one of the things Martin Mayhew was asked today was, how do you factor in a very inexperienced quarterback on the college level when you're making your um, evaluations, especially in a year where we have COVID, everything was limited, yeah. you, could, you know, all yeah. that. And he's like, look, obviously it's concerning. It's not, it's not ideal to say the least. And there was a stat that's been floated around the last week or so. I don't have it in front of me, but basically – in the last several years, like there's been like four or five quarterbacks, I think four quarterbacks that have started like 18 games or less in college. And their names are like Dwayne Haskins, Mitch yeah. Trubisky, Mark Sanchez. I think Kyler Murray is the only one that looks to be uh, a reasonable. And then this year, Mac Jones and Trey Lance at a minimum would get taken added to that list. I think it was like, I guess it was first round quarterbacks. Yeah. Cause um, I was going to say, those are all guys that had huge expectations would be the difference. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, for 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 sure. And like Mills, I mean, um, you know, he was the number one recruit when he came into college. He just had knee injuries, which is yep. a part of the part of the factor as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the one that to me seems the most interesting. I watched some uh, somebody had to, some cut ups the other day on on Twitter, and you know, I can't do, take those all take that for what it's worth. But <laughs> right, but right. yeah, I mean, I think like prototype, he looks like the the most interesting guy, and I would think. Kellen Mond next Trask yeah it just feels like Kyle Allen is here I'm not saying the exact same quarterback totally, but totally. I'm like uh, I'd yeah. rather let's call it Kyle Allen see where he goes than, yeah. than go the Trask route and Mond yeah Mond I think I didn't even mention him but Mond is another one of those guys that has like tools a former very he was one of the top recruits in the country too his year coming out he was a dual threat guy and um I, I, I I'm actually doing Mond's uh scouting report today i'm not like super impressed I, I i do see like the tools i think he's athletic um 
you know, he's got a snappy release, but I, I it concerns me. His accuracy um, is the main thing that's like, it's, it's just not to me, uh, what I've watched so far is just not a strong, he's not very accurate. He, he's always missing guys behind, um, you know, his receivers didn't do him many favors. I saw a lot of guys drop balls, but he's also putting it like on their back shoulder when they're like doing a crossing route type of deal. It's just like a little bit concerning to me, but to me, he has the tools to develop into a good player. If you can, if you can work with him and, um, you know, get him into a system that, that fits his skill set. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would probably have Trask a little bit higher still with him on, but I think he has a higher upside too than Trask does. Since you watched, have you already looked at Trask as a prospect? Yeah. So based on that, if I said, let's flip the skill players. So Mond gets Kyle Pitts, Kadarius, Tony, and Trask gets the Texas A&M guys. Yeah. Now, what would you think? Like, would Kellen Mond now at that point? I mean, he obviously was highly productive from a statistical standpoint. Texas A&M won a bunch of games, even though, whatever, it's Texas A&M, no offense, but like, you know, they're not necessarily... <laughs> Uh, so right. those goals, would would that change your would, would, do you think it would look differently at that point in terms of uh yeah probably yeah probably i think i would probably go with mon there just for the upside play got it yeah no I, and then that was sort of an argument that, that, that that's been made uh, i don't think it was much i didn't find much consensus with any of them which is sort of mm. my whole thing of like i like i just always think if you're if there's a quarterback you're taking on day two realistically you're probably drafting him two rounds early because right. if he was that right. good, you would have taken him in the top 20. So, I, I mean, look, obviously we see quarterbacks can come out of all rounds. That happens. And look, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins were fourth round. Russell Wilson was around three or whatever. But like, yeah, I wait for day three if you really have to take a quarterback. It is my general philosophy. Yeah. But yeah, if you fall in love with one of these guys, then, you know, what can I do? What can I do? The heart wants what the heart wants. There's some there's some reports and and hype happening now that one of these three guys mond trask or mills might end up sneaking into the first round which i think would be wild but um we'll see who is that is that is that an, uh, a report from somebody specific or just like uh, so I, I think i saw i i forgive me if i'm wrong but i think peter schrager put him in the uh, put mills in the first round in a mock that, recently yeah. and so and, I, and i've just seen multiple reporters talking about how um you could see a first round, uh, uh, one of these other quarterbacks sneak into the first round, whether it's Kyle Trask. I saw someone, and I, and I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, one of the, uh, a draft person talked about how Trask might be, maybe it was Gil Brandt. I can't remember. Um, talk about how Trask might sneak into the first round. So it's going to be very fascinating to see how that goes if team if a team trades up back into like 30, 31, 32 to take one of these guys and, and hope for hope to develop them. And I know that some people are very high on Mond um, in terms of like his potential. So yeah, wouldn't be that surprising. Uh, go read Danny's work on the Ringer NFL Draft Guide. Listen to him on the Ringer's uh, two podcasts, the NFL Show and the Fantasy Football Show. Uh, Kevin Clark is is he, he's on the he's on the Fantasy Football Show, but different with you. He's not you. So it's that. yeah, it's it's Danny Heifetz and I on the, and Craig Horlbeck on the Fantasy Show, and then um, Heifetz and I do are just doing some draft shows in the run up to the draft two a week for the ringer NFL show and Kevin and Nora, Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati are doing the Wednesday show on the ringer NFL show. I, I'm going to have to check this. I may have had more people from the ringer on this podcast between you, <laughs> Kevin and Joe house. Yeah. Than yeah. than people from the athletic. Don't tell my bosses <laughs> if that's true. Um, we'll, 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 we'll have to, we'll have to work on that. Uh, 
Dana, man, a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Good luck with, with the mock drafts and the uh, rest of all your uh, homework. And uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be breathing the air, the same air again at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hopefully we'll see you in Indianapolis. Fingers crossed. All right. Uh, many thanks to Matt Paris and Danny Kelly for their time. Thanks to you guys for checking out the podcast. As always, more to come. NFL Draft uh, rapidly approaching April 29th. We'll have plenty more to discuss here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Make sure you subscribe, and uh, we'll be back later this week. That's it for now. Until next time, see ya.